it rained again. Is that a surprise? Uh, it's Thursday, October 14th, 2021. Thanks for joining me. I'm Steven Sersky, and I hope you guys are doing well because Chongqing, it's not that cold, but it's drizzly, and it's I've always uh, associated with like the this. Sorry, I haven't associated Chongqing with this, but the type of rain, it's like this drizzle. Uh, and I remember one guy, uh, I met one guy in Europe years ago who described it as like this European rain where it just drizzles all the time and all of a sudden you don't notice it really. And then two hours later, you're soaking wet. That's exactly what's happening here uh, in Chongqing. And sadly, today is actually moving day or was moving day. And so uh, uh, we are, are off to or into Chengdu already. So... Yeah, the we had a carrier. Uh, luckily, we didn't have to use our umbrellas because uh, the move from the hotel or the hostel to the trains, uh, the subway station, actually was it was very close. Uh, it was very well placed, so it was uh, quite convenient. And uh, just before we went uh, or caught the subway train, uh, we uh, had breakfast again in the Yotiao, the uh, deep fried sticks dough sticks were actually a lot better today uh than they were uh the day before uh we did have to say goodbye to the little cat uh, and we didn't see anybody else in the hostel as we left uh as the owners don't seem to get up before 8 30 uh, but they go to bed before 11 or 12 i'm not sure maybe it's 11 it's pretty late they pretty much sit around and just smoke and play video games all day um and since there's no one else, there's maybe two other people that have stopped by into the ho uh, into the hostel. For the amount of room that this place has, uh, I I wonder when their busy season is. I know it's after the the uh, big China Chinese holiday, like the National uh, Day Golden Week. That's over with, so a lot of people would be back to work back in their. Uh, their working cities, maybe not their hometowns, but certainly their the cities where they're working. Uh, so I do understand that that uh, could be contributing to the lack of any other travelers. But I'm surprised that there's aren't there aren't even any uh, like other foreigners, and we've barely seen anybody else uh, on on around. Like, very few other foreigners. As a matter of fact, I can't remember ever seeing any others to tell you the truth there might have been one or two on the subway but it just there's no one around uh at all anyway so we got to the uh the train station um we didn't buy tickets beforehand i sort of have this issue with buying tickets too far in advance and this has worked against me but usually it works for me because usually but not always if i buy tickets ahead of time I always seem to feel a little bit more anxious about getting to the train station, and I should leave myself more time, but it always comes down to crunch time. Uh, and so I've always sort of left, especially for trains, you sort of leave it until you see the train station, and then you know when you can actually catch the train, that then you get a better sense of whether the train's going to be leaving today, uh, and and whether or not you're, like, you are actually going to make the move. This doesn't seem to be such a big deal in uh, places like China where the, the train schedules, the flights and things, they pretty much leave on time. 
maybe not the flights, but the trains typically leave on time. And then, of all uh, of all things, actually, the train was delayed. We bought our tickets online. Like we were standing in the uh, the ticket area in the train station. We we're like, you know what? We'll just buy tickets online instead of waiting in line because it would have taken another half hour. Um, so we bought tickets for the ten o'clock train. Well, we didn't get on that train until ten forty. And there was another train departing at 10.50 that was going to get there sooner than we were given our train. Because it was going to be a two-hour train ride uh, to Chengdu. And uh, the, and there's several different types of G trains that are leaving. The strange thing was is that this train was late, but it was departing from Chongqing. So it wasn't like it was late for leaving any other station. I guess unless maybe it was and they hadn't uh, readied the train yet, but uh, um, yeah, so it was uh, it was thirty or forty minutes late, and so uh, we uh, were well, we just got to Chengdu a little bit later. That's all. There was no Starbucks in the station in the uh, Chongqing high speed train station, uh, Chongqing West, uh, which was forty minutes outside of uh, downtown Chongqing. I am surprised that there was no Starbucks because just about all other high-speed uh, train stations have a Starbucks. Um, the other ones they usually have are like McDonald's and KFC and Burger King. Uh, those are the typical ones. But uh, this one did have a Luckin coffee, so I managed to get a, a coffee beforehand. And the neat thing, neat thing here, um, which I guess is more of necessity than anything else, um, Luckin is famous for a couple things, not, not least of all because of... Uh, the uh, delisting from the New York Stock Exchange uh, has it been delisted yet? Or uh, but they had some issues with their accounting a couple of years back, and so they got smacked pretty hard. Um, but they are—you can't order a coffee at the store. If you walk in and try to get a coffee, they do not have a cash register. Now, at this train station, and I'm looking at it going, I really don't want to download the app and log in and have all that uh, issue. And it's not a big deal. Like, it, it usually actually goes pretty well, if, um, especially here in China. It, it, it connects pretty well. You can connect with Alipay or WeChat or just your phone number, and it's pretty quick. Download speeds are pretty good, especially in these train stations. Uh, the reception's pretty good. So there's never a real issue. It was just another step that you had to take, right? And so I tell him this, like, I don't have the app. Can, can I just pay you guys? And she's like, yeah, here's my phone. Scan my WeChat. Pay me 18 quai. And that was that. And so it's very trusting. I'm assuming she's a, uh, like a shift supervisor, someone who actually has some sort of responsibility at the, uh, at the place. But uh, um, that is not very common where they will get... Actually, no, I, I'm sorry. I would say it is quite common to have someone use their own phone to help you place an order. And I'm not sure if like this is a big deal or not, but uh, yeah, scanning someone's personal Q QR code to send them money on behalf of the company or that should go to the company instead, you kind of you look at it go that you would, wow, very trusting, very trusting people. Um, 
but so yeah, I, I sent the money to her. Now, whether or not she has a, a corporate account, maybe she does have a corporate account or it's uh, somehow linked. Uh, so it's uh, easy for her to just transfer the funds to uh, the store manager or the franchise owner or whatever it might be, right? So um, other than that, I uh, fell asleep on the train despite my coffee. <laughs> I think I was awake for about an hour and then, yeah, gone. We sat in second class. Uh, it was about 150 quai. For uh, for each ticket, uh, two hour train ride, pretty wasn't even half full. Uh, quite not too many people uh, going from Chongqing down uh, over to Chengdu. Even with the few stops that we made, not too many people got on. Um, I kind of was interested to see the different building. Was, again with the Evergrande debacle that's in the the news these days. How many of these buildings are still out there? And I'll tell you, there are quite a few. I mean, they literally just built everywhere. And I'm not saying it's just Evergrande that did this. There's quite a few property development companies out there that did this. Um, but to see like the empty apartment blocks, now that this Evergrande company is in the news, it just seems so much more real. You're looking at these buildings and going, they really didn't finish them. <laughs> like They're not finished and it doesn't look like they're going to be finished anytime soon. That's kind of scary. Uh, and so one of the things that these these the cities were doing, the municipal governments were doing, is that they were actually uh, cutting out their, their farmland and then selling it to these property developers. And the property developers would come in and they would develop the property as for all these high-rise buildings, 30 floors or so, and they would even pre-sell these units. So literally you have concrete structures, the skeletons, that I mean, these things went up pretty quick. And anyway, and there's like lines of them, 10, 20 in a row, and they all look the same. They all look the same. There's no difference. I can only imagine the, uh, like, and the worst thing about some of these buildings, and this happens at my own compound too, is that they don't put the number like big on the front of the, uh, uh, the building. It's always tucked away on the side of it. And this is the Soviet style of labeling buildings. I have no idea why they do it this way. And it's very aggravating because if there's a large tree in the way, you have to walk right up to the building and look up and go, ah, this is building number whatever, right? You'd think they'd put a plaque. Some, sometimes they do, but I mean, most buildings, why don't you have the number right on the front? This is an issue only if you have 20 buildings that all look the same in the same area and there's no real easy way to move around in between them other than to just walk from one building to the next. Anyway, so that's uh, <laughs> that was uh, just kind of what I, what I saw going from Chongqing before I passed out out of exhaustion because again, we were tired, I was tired, my legs were tired. Uh, we've been doing a lot of steps, averaging 20,000, 20, uh, well, a couple 18,000 steps in the last couple of days each day. So it's uh, been quite a bit. Um, getting to Chengdu was fun enough. I mean, it wasn't uh, overly difficult to find our hotel. Um, it was basically right downtown. We got into Chengdu East and then from there transferred to the subway. Again, I don't have... Um, since I don't, my Alipay or my WeChat account can't sign up for the uh, subway payment system because I you, you'd need a mainland ID card. 
I had to go get a, an actual ticket, uh, which was fine. I did have cash. I mean, I bring cash with me every time I go travel anyway. Um, and it was a couple, a couple Kwai or whatever it was. Uh, but from Chengdu East down to uh, Tianfu, I think it was, and then this area of the People's Park. Um, and then from the subway station to the hotel, it was a very quick walk, and surprise, surprise, it was raining. <laughs> um, not Chengdu's weather is not entirely different from Chongqing, but the noticeable difference once you stepped off the train was wow, it's cold. Like it just got cold. Uh, whereas the the, uh, the sweater was optional in Chongqing a lot of times. In Chengdu, it was like no, I think he's you just have to wear your sweater. It was that type of feeling uh, in, in the air, sort of thing. Um, we took a quick walk through People's Park as as we got on the subway, and it was actually quite full. Uh, I mean, uh, full of older people, like uh, grandparents, basically. And this park, I guess, uh, one of the things that happens in a lot of these centralized uh, parks, these city parks. Actually, I can't say it's the centralized parks. It's the parks in general. Um, some of them are hookup areas. And I don't mean like boom, boom, young people, boom, boom. I mean the elders of families go there and advertise their grandkids. Say, hi, we will, let's match up our kids. Let's. What does your son do? How old is he? Uh, what education do they have? Do, do they have this? Do they have a car? Do, are they set up for an apartment? You know, so on and so, so on and so on. And this, this is a very famous thing that happens in China. It happens in Beijing, too. Uh, you can find it. I can't remember the exact parks. Um, Temple of Heaven, I think it is. South of uh, Tiananmen Square. There's a park there that's uh, uh, famous for having that same sort of uh, meetup of the grandparents. Sometimes the parents as well, though they should be working. Uh, and they are all doing these deals of um, you know matching their grandkids. I haven't heard, if it happens, it's not really talked about. Sorry, I shouldn't say if it happens. It does happen, but it's not talked about very much. So when you meet a couple, you actually don't know if they've been set up by like the grandparents or if they actually met some other way. <laughs> like through Tantan or Tinder. <laughs> Tantan is the Chinese version of Tinder. Um, which seems to be a much more common way of people meeting each other now, which isn't surprising because whenever you go to the bar, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, you go to the bar and what do you do? You sit at the bar, you have your beer, and you play with your cell phone. You look down, you you know, make snarky remarks on uh, social media uh, streams and things like that, right? Isn't that, and, and look at pictures of Instagram on Instagram. Isn't that uh, what people do? Uh, so anyway, with... Um, since it was a transfer, uh, transport day, uh, a moving day, uh, we didn't get into uh, the hotel until about 2 o'clock or so after resting our legs. Um, we were told, we asked about some half-day activities that we could do since we only had you know a couple more hours of sunlight uh, before you know, this nighttime. And I did know that there was a Great Leap Brewing in Chengdu, and I did want to see it because it's kind of neat to see, how, you know, Especially a local company like um, Great Leap, how how they expand. You know, I've been to the ones in Beijing a few times. I posted pictures of them. Uh, they they have good good beer and good Western food as well. So I kind of want to see if it was the same as it was in uh, Beijing. Um, but uh, and I, I can tell you, it, it kind of was. 
a little bit different, but I'll get to that. So before that, though, because, uh, I mean, Great Leap would be an evening activity. Before that, you know, it's uh, can we do anything else? And uh, the uh, hotel lady, who seemed sick and was not wearing a mask, um, but <laughs> she uh, pointed out a few different areas, and Chengdu immediately seemed a lot smaller than Chongqing. Like the, I mean, the things she pointed out, two or three different districts that uh, we could see that were pretty much within walking distance um, uh, of the hotel. One of them especially was the Quanjai Xiangzi. And Xiangzi is Chengdu knees for Hutong. So in Beijing, you just call it Hutong. Uh, but in uh, Chengdu and Sichuan, I guess they call it Xiangzi, which just means narrow valleys. Um, or it means alleyway, I guess. And then Quanjai is the, uh, the area of it. So it's another one of these... Um, redone neighborhoods and it was actually very busy surprisingly very busy when we got there we got there around i guess it was three o'clock four o'clock that we got there already uh and you didn't have to pay to uh, get in or anything so that was nice uh you did have to show your uh, jin kang bao which is your uh, health uh, qr code which still didn't make sense because i mean we're we're traveling throughout. We're not getting tested along the way. It's not like we got NAT tests as we were going through the train station. So whether or not our our condition has changed, I mean, the arrow still was green. The QR code was still green. You're sitting there going, well, yeah, it's green. But if it wasn't green, how? when would it have ever turned yellow? I guess, to be fair, like it's not meant as a necessarily as a personal um, reflection of your health status. It's the locations that you've been in. And I, I guess I do have to be clear about that. The, Q, the QR code works on the GPS system or some sort of system like this where if the government flags an area as medium or high risk, medium risk I think shows up as yellow and high risk shows up as red uh, or orange or something like that. So along those lines, uh, so if you if your cell phone or your your, yeah, basically, if your cell phone goes in that area that's been deemed medium to high risk, then your QR code changes. Uh, I mean, that can change without you even knowing it sort of thing. Uh, because, uh, I mean, if they ever find a case, it's not immediately locked down. It's always like, how many people go around different, how many people are on a train and then later find out, you know, oh, there was someone infected. It's like, okay, well, now they got to test everybody, right? So, um, so, yeah, I do have to be clear that the QR code is not a a reflection of your personal health status it's a reflection of where you've been and since Chongqing was clean trains were clean um, Chengdu is clean all the districts I mean the, the QR code remains green so that's all we had to scan to get in uh, lots of people it was neat to have a look around um, expensive but again more expensive stuff in particular there was a uh, a couple of um, when it, there was a high-priced wood store wood shop and it was like this very nice polished wood that they have uh, that's usually on display and I kind of wonder how much of uh, no I'm not doubting that the, the authenticity of this wood but the wood that you would see in a lot of other places I wonder if it's real or if it's like a a, a Taobao special basically um, very nice wood. Uh, you might notice that um, a lot of Chinese establishments would have a set of wooden chairs or a wooden table. Like a, It looks, I don't, I don't know if it's mahogany or what type of wood it is. I got the name of it. I can't remember it though. 
um, but it's this sort of a, a hard wood with these circular uh, or tube-like arms and then a straight wood back and there's no cushioning on it. So, because uh, if you put a cushion on it, you slide off. The cushion actually has to be tied onto the chair, but they, they're sold bare bones. They're not sold with any sort of padding or anything like that. Um, and because it's expensive wood, it's supposed to be that good. That being that being said, like you see those around, and, and the price tags for these this this wood was very very expensive. You could sit on one or two of the chairs, but most of them you could touch, but you wouldn't be able to sit on. I don't know who buys the stuff. I'm guessing it's businesses would usually buy it, or really rich people who have you know half a million renminbi to spend on a table. Uh, small table um, and then they had a bunch of little trinkets that were being uh, touted by the I guess they were working there because they were kind of dressed a little bit nicer than most other people but uh, and they would just start talking to you as if you were going to buy something um, but little trinkets like for 800 kwai you could buy a, um, a wooden replica of a, of a bowl or like a wooden likeness of a bull basically or something like that like the zodiac they had the different zodiac characters or animals um all made out of this special type of wood but yeah no i was not in the the uh, market to buy any wood that day same with the paintings they had very expensive uh watercolor paintings a lot of the area i guess you would almost consider it to be more like the uh uh Xiang area in beijing so it's a cafe district in beijing uh, but here it wasn't, uh, or maybe it was like the Dashilar district in, in Beijing, which is south of Tiananmen Square as, uh, as well. So it's sort of this one little neighborhood. But the 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 famous thing is that they have this one wide sidewalk area, walking area, and then in between, I guess the different blocks of the neighborhood, those would be the narrow alleyways, and that's I mean you could only fit. You could squeeze two people together if they sort of shrugged up against each other, but mostly it was like one person could walk by, um, and that would be it. Again, typical with these areas, they have a lot of Chinese snacks, like a lot of uh, traditional snacks in the the, uh, the place. We tried the um, deep-fried dough, um, which was kind of almost sickening to eat, because it's deep-fried and it's very oily. I guess it'd be good every now and then, and if you're really hungry, but... Oh, there's a lot of oil in that stuff. Uh, so we walked around. I bought some baijiu, uh, which was very good. She let me sample it. Um, and this actually created a problem later on in the day when after a few pints, I mean, you have to finish off with a nightcap of baijiu and yeah, you could feel it the next day. Uh, it seemed pretty good. So I mean, I'm not questioning the authenticity. I bought a small bottle of it uh, for 35 kwai. You could buy a larger, you could buy six of them for 150 kwai, and then a big bottle was 90 or 85 kwai. I can't remember. Not too expensive. It came in a paper, like a paper wrapping, not a paper bag, a paper wrapping, uh, which gave it a little bit of a, a bit more of a, um, authentic old school style feel to it. So yeah, go, go ahead, try it. I'll, I'll try the local Sichuanese Chengdu style of baijiu. I can tell you it's not too much different from any other type of baijiu. It's better than the stuff that you'd buy in the green bottles. If you ever come to China and you hear the words argoto, uh, or the sound argoto, and you see the little green bottles, that is the shit that people complain about. 
whenever uh, and you'll hear foreigners complain about it all the time. Oh, Baijiu is uh, so sickening. It's because they're drinking the cheap stuff. The cheap stuff, uh, five, like a dollar for 250 mils or something. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen with that? This one was 35 kwai for uh, 200 mils. It's a bit better. Uh, but yeah, certainly an acquired taste. It's not something that you'd really uh, have a hankering for. Let's put, let's put it that way. Uh, so yeah, it was good to walk around and see what uh, was sort of on on sale and uh, what they were um, buying. And some people uh, were dressed up in the old Han Chinese costumes or, or, or outfits. That seems to be one of the things that the the, the younger kids are doing these days, like the university age students. They're going to these places. I know they do this in Japan. Uh, where is it? Do they do it in Osaka? Quite a bit, where they rent out these costumes or these outfits, and you can go have it for the day and go take your pictures, basically. So it was kind of neat. Um, the other thing that is uh, popular in this district was the uh, face changing, and we never did get to see this. Um, we should have just done it today, or that this day anyway, but we never did. Um, it's the Sichuanese... Uh, opera, uh, Chinese opera. I guess it's different from the Peking opera, the Beijing opera, but I'm not entirely sure what are the differences in terms of stories. The famous part of the Chengdu or the Sichuan uh, opera is that there's like a face-changing aspect to it, and I didn't really look it up, so I don't really know. Um, but it, it, there's few theaters that were in this district, this Quan Jai Xiangzi area that would that offered these performances, I, I it might be worth it. Uh, there's also fire breathing. I think that's the other aspect of these uh, these shows. Uh, but uh, yeah, we never did uh, make it into it. Uh, after walking around quite a bit, um, we decided yeah, it was it was all good to. There wasn't much more to see in the area. Uh, yeah, it was neat. Lots of people walking around. Uh, it was good to see so many uh, people out. Uh, no other foreigners. Uh, there was lots of Chinese people. Uh, and again, it seems like this uh, these these areas are being developed for the Chinese tourists. Uh, and so it's uh, and I guess it's it's catering for them pretty well. After that, yes, we did go on down to Great Leap in Chengdu uh, to visit it and have a look around. It was about a thirty. A 25-minute bike ride or something, which immediately, this is one of the things that has already set, uh, set Chengdu apart from Chongqing, is that the availability of bicycles. In Chongqing, we were walking everywhere, and we could feel it. It just hurt. Uh, at, the, at the end of the day, having done so many steps, you're just thinking, oh my god, it's, this is painful. Why... Almost like to the point, like, why are we so tired? What what did we do wrong today that we are so tired? But in Chengdu, you immediately see, like, hey, wait a minute, bicycles. That's what we haven't been using for the last few days. I can't use the yellow bikes or anything else because they require some type of registration with a passport or a mainland ID card, and it never seemed to have worked. The Alipay ones do work, so I I prefer those. They're better bikes as well. Uh, and it is a national deployment as well. So uh, if you sign up in Beijing, you don't have to sign up again in Chengdu. It's the same program. It's, it's fantastic. Why don't the subway systems do this? I don't know. <laughs> Why aren't the, hell, the QR codes like this as well? The health codes. Who knows? 
but the Alipay bikes do work. Uh, so getting on those, it was nice to take a little um, ride. We could see a little, uh, a few more things along the way. Uh, the Kwangjai Xiangzi the uh, alleyways, those were closer to the center of the city. The Great Leap was down further near the first or the second ring road, I can't remember, of Chengdu. Chengdu's not very big, comparatively speaking to, to Beijing. Uh, but a 20-minute bike ride, already you could feel that it was a lot gentler of a ride. It just, it wasn't as cutthroat as it is in Beijing. Beijing, you get on a bike, you your head has to be on a swivel. You People are flying down the, I mean like, on wheels, they're flying down the street both ways. One-way street, they're still going two ways, three ways, four ways. Who knows? Cars are coming in. They're inching away all, all, all the time. Chengdu seemed just a little bit more relaxed. Again, I almost felt bad sometimes where I was sort of being, uh, not the provocateur, the the instinct, like I was being too pushy just because I'm used to cycling in Beijing that if you don't go and you don't speed up sometimes just to make that uh, a little bit of a, of a turn or whatever, then you get caught behind a bus or something like that, right? So here again, I was uh, cycling as if I was um, navigating Beijing streets and it just wasn't necessary to ride with the same aggressiveness. So but pleasant ride down to Great Leap, and uh, surprisingly to me, it was empty, or nearly empty. Also surprising, they had a guitar player, a singer, uh, singer-songwriter, um, or a singer-guitarist, uh, tucked away in the uh, the side of the uh, the restaurant, the, uh, the brew pub. As you walk in, he's right to your, your right. Um, Chinese kid, uh, kid, I say kid, he's in his 20s. Um, and I'm guessing he was playing cover songs because uh, I just assumed that they would hire someone to play songs that were familiar uh, rather than songs that were not familiar. Anyway, we sat down um, and uh, with very few people, we got prompt service. No real local uh, specials. Like there was no localized China, uh, Western Chinese food. Like <laughs> there wasn't a Chengdu version of a hamburger. It was just like the same sort of burger that was that's available in Beijing. It's also available in Chengdu. Uh, although, as you can imagine, once you have it, you're kind of like this is not the same. It's similar, but it's not the same. Uh, and the beers were all the same. Um, and I guess what they do is that once or twice a month they ship them down from uh, Tianjin. They've started brewing it uh, in Tianjin. The brew pubs are in Beijing, but the big bottling and the big manufacturing area for Great Leap is actually in Tianjin. And then from there, they uh, disperse to Beijing and then also like across the nation and then also to uh, this Beijing, uh, this Chengdu brew pub. So and they come in those big um, steel uh, kegs that, are, that you'd see uh, usually behind a bar. Uh, and they popped it up, so they do have everything on tap. Uh, not sure if they sold anything by bottles. They did have merch, uh, but nothing Chengdu specific. Again, like there was no uh, Great Leap Panda edition or anything. Which, and the reason I mention this is because the store manager uh, did come over. He had a pint. He's, he was cheersing people uh, around the uh, the few people that were in the restaurant, and we got talking. So uh, he'd been in Shanghai for ten years or so prior uh, to coming back to Chengdu just this year. Uh, and we started talking a little bit about you know, how business is and everything. Apparently because 
Um, if you remember a couple months ago, the American, the U.S. American uh, embassy, consulate or embassy, it must be a consulate, shut down. Uh, so they, they closed the office in Chengdu, which was largely seen as a uh, very token effort to be like, wow, we're, we're taking our ball and going home. <laughs> and so with the closure of this uh, embassy or this consulate, uh, the I guess the, the the business of the brew pub just kind of went sharply lower. Uh, there is a university nearby. Was it the Sichuan? I can't remember which university it was. A sizable university, uh, but uh, didn't seem like the students were out and about drinking on a Thursday night. Uh, he did say the store store manager did say, yeah, it's a Thursday night. We're usually busy on Fridays and Saturdays, um, which this weekend they're actually having an annual. Uh, competition annual festivity uh, called the Carl Long Challenge where you have to drink one pint of everything that's on the menu and then you get a free shirt for 350 quad to sign up uh, that's what divide by five 60 70 dollars I don't didn't feel a need to do it um, 15 pints of beer although might have sounded good at one point. I'm, it doesn't really sound very enticing at this moment. Uh, but that being the case, and since they have the uh, locations in both Beijing and Chengdu, you could actually split it. So if you're like me sometimes, or you're traveling from one city to another, you can actually start your uh, your challenge in Chengdu and then finish in Beijing and vice versa. Uh, but anyway, not interested. That was on the weekend. And I was not interested in doing that. Uh, but yeah, we got talking to him, and then also uh, when the uh, singer uh, took a break, I uh, offered to buy him a beer, and uh, so we got talking, he sat down, he spoke a lot of Chinese, um, but he also spoke enough English that we were able to have a, a decent conversation, um, and so he's a guitarist, a singer, I'm not sure if he's a songwriter, I guess he did. He does write some of his own songs, but he's a, he, he's, he did say that he's a guitar teacher, uh, so he teaches as his primary job, and then this one playing at Great Leap um, was sort of his, his secondary job. So it was, uh, he played there, I guess it's three times a week. He made a couple hundred quai. Didn't sound like he was suffering too much, and I'm not sure how many students he had. I, I don't think he ever said. Uh, but it sounded like he was doing all right for himself. He might not have been making a lot of money, but he was able to do something that he liked, or at least that he was good at. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he, he didn't seem unhappy with his choice to be living in Chengdu. Now, was he from Chengdu or was he from another city? This I can't remember. Um, but uh, he, he was willing to talk. Uh, we did uh, sort of meet halfway on a, a, some of the music that we were interested in. He knew of some of, like a lot of the stuff uh, that I mentioned. Uh, there was one that he didn't know. Maybe he didn't know Slipknot. Uh, we talked a lot about our, our influences, and since he was, <laughs> I hate to say it, but he was substantially younger than I am. He's in his early 20s, um, and I'm getting up there in my 30s. And in that time, there's a lar there's a difference in that sort of your musical appreciation and your, your, your listening habits change, especially since I've traveled so much. I've noticed that my, my uh, taste in music has changed substantially since, especially since I was a teenager. So we talked a lot about... Um, was yeah I guess I told him like you know in my teenage years I used to listen to death metal and a lot of heavy metal and stuff like that he knew Guns N' Roses and Metallica he didn't know some of the other names I was saying he's <laughs> no idea which doesn't surprise me 
Uh, to know the metal scene in China, you actually have to know people involved in it. It's very difficult to sort of hear about it in the mainstream media because they don't talk about it. Um, and he didn't really offer any sort of uh, clubs or other places to go see, and I didn't really ask oh. him too much. Uh, but uh, that it was interesting to see what or hear what he had already heard. He knew some of the EDM stuff, like electronica stuff that I've been listening to, Hardwell, uh, Timmy Trumpet. Um, and, and, and guys along that, who's, who's the other one? Yeah. Hardwell, Timmy Trumpet, and Trumpet, and there's another guy. Oh, I can't remember. Um, but he, he knew of some of them and he said that guy, I, I listened to it every now and then, but not, not his primary focus. Uh, he was listening to a lot more, what was it? King Crimson. Right. So this is our big, uh, bond here was the prog rock. And I told him about like uh, with Rush, of course, and since I'm Canadian, and the prog rock and how it sort of is, it's it's fun to listen to. It's actually more fun to play than it is necessarily to listen to all the time. And he's like, "Yeah, King Crimson. That's, I mean, I love to play this stuff, and it, it's so great." Uh, he, he likes listening to it, but he also likes playing that same sort of uh, prog rock style of of music. So we uh, we hit it off on that. Uh, it was kind of neat. Um, he didn't really. Uh, I guess I never asked him about any sort of Chinese influences or Chinese bands uh, that I could listen to as well. I should have. Um, you know, five six years ago, I probably would have. But now I I just was happy to sort of share enough about what I'd listened to in the days. And uh, yeah, maybe he'll start listening to Slipknot too. <laughs> anyway, then after. Uh, trying a few beers he i noticed that as soon as he finished his beer sorry not as soon as he finished his beer but as he was had to go back to to work basically start getting play the second set uh after having uh half a pint he started playing more english songs <laughs> uh, i'm sure it was because of the the three foreigners at the bar the another family had actually shown up uh, in the time that we were talking but uh yeah anyway we tried out some of the new beers that Great Leap had on uh, on tap. Um, IPAs were IPAs. Pilsners were Pilsners. Um, tasted all right. Not going to complain too much. Bill was, as you would expect, at a craft beer pub. Uh, ladies' night, so my girlfriend was drinking free, although uh, for ladies' night I seem to be paying for quite a few of the, the pints. No doubt there was uh, some condition that we didn't meet or something. Anyway, um, but yeah, we... Uh, left around 9 30 or 10 i can't remember and then we cycled back uh to the uh, yes we cycled back after having a few uh, pints uh back to the hotel stopping by uh people's park again sorry not people's park the uh the people's square which the overlooking statue of mao and it was all lit up at night so it was, uh, we got some night shots of that Anyway, that will do it for today, and I do have a few um, noise clip, uh, noise clips, sound clips for you guys. I got some uh, of the uh, People's Park chatter going on, uh, so you can hear some of the, the. I'm not sure if you can pick out any of the negotiations that are going on. Um, there was a lot of people playing mahjong and cards in, in the park, uh, so this is a, this is just as we were walking through. Uh, I have a sound clip of Quan Jai, the Xiangzhou, the alleyway area. Uh, a toy caller, which I thought was kind of neat, how she, we couldn't tell what she was actually saying, but how she was saying it was actually very neat. Uh, also, ear cleaners, walking around, uh, there were ear cleaners, uh, this is one of the specialties in Chengdu, which I'll have to tell you about, and then also uh, talking to a, a salesman as well, um, seeing how my Chinese is. 
All right, hope you guys are well. We'll leave it there. Uh, have a good one. Uh, again, check out my website, stevensersky.com, uh, for the show notes and uh, all the other adventures on this trip. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Bye-bye. <笑>你不是有找不到 